0: Hi everyone. This is Amitabh. I am the founder CEO of Altigreen Propulsion Labs. We are an EV technology company based in Bangalore.
1: Nothing can stop an idea whose time has come. I am sure you would have heard of this wonderful phrase. And this is most applicable for the sector of electric vehicles or EVs. After all, we are living in a world where the wealthiest man is the founder of an EV company. Tesla. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dat talks to Dr. Amitab Saran, the founder of Altigreen. Altigreen is an EV startup focused on the category of commercial three-wheeler vehicles, and it has raised almost fifty million dollars till date with the Reliance Group as one of their major backers. Amitab has an almost two decade-long journey as a serial entrepreneur, and in this conversation he shares his process of finding startup ideas and scaling them up. He also talks about the importance of building products in India that meet Indian needs instead of blindly copying the West. Listen on, and if you like such insightful conversations with disruptive startup founders, then do subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app.
0: Born and brought up in Lucknow and did my schooling at Martinier Lucknow. Yeah, my dad was an IPS officer. So he did want me to join uh, the government service. Uh, definitely not the police, but perhaps an IPS officer. So what was your ambition? I think I have always been a tinkerer. I like to work with my hands. My dad was like that. He taught me everything to know about electricity, about plumbing, about fixing things. So for us, when I went to the U.S., for the first time I realized that recycling was a big thing in the U.S. And then I was like, dude, I don't i mean, gone and brought up in that culture, right, where everything is recycled, including jam, bottles, jars, second life, third life, fourth life of everything. How did you uh, land up in the US? I did my B.Tech in computer science from um, REC Alabad, which is now NIT Alabad. It became National Institute of Technology, a part of that program. All the RECs converted to the Nikes. Did that, um, got an out-of-campus job at TCS. TCS must have been like a small startup at that time. So TCS, you'd be surprised, actually TCS started in 19... 69. When I graduated in 1989, it was a formidable company by then, but the focus entirely was on uh, sending people abroad. There was very little that TCS used to do in India, very, very little. It, it was clear that they used to take us through a lot of training and they used to make consultants out of engineers. Uh, so this is, I was still, I think, 20 at that time uh, when I joined TCS. So anyway, I did TCS for a bit. And my manager in TCS, Mr. Lightning, for whatever reason, he thought I was a decent bloke. He happened to quit TCS and he joined Philips in Singapore. And I was having my dinner and he calls up and he says, Hey, you want to work in Singapore? I said, yes. So anyway, so did the the legal process at TCS joined Philips in Singapore. They posted me in Thailand. There was a large project for ATMs. This is 1980 and 1990 when they were building the largest network of ATMs in Thailand. And I was posted for that project. Um, started working there. It was fun fun time. So um, I think at some point um, I felt like I need to know more about computers and computer science. Just programming language um, ain't good enough, right? So that's when I decided to um, pursue a PhD. Mm, I said, let's go the whole hog. So I won't go there for a one-year master. I will try to dig deeper. I got this opportunity, applied in a few places, so, got a good record call from the University of California, met a couple of people, got Santa Barbara campus. They were offering me, uh, you know, not just a PhD in computer science, but also a project <laughs> that they were willing to uh, give to me in on that. So it was, it was good. TA-ship. I and mean, then you would get some stipend yourself salary also yeah so it, it wasn't a teaching assistantship because teaching assistant obviously it's a great thing you're, you're teaching kids but I, I like teaching but i i think re- doing research was more my thing mm-hmm. and they were willing to offer me a project for research because i by then i had about three years three and a half years of experience in working with large systems, and even through TCS and then Phillips and ATMs, and all these were new technologies even in the US at that time. It wasn't like something. I mean, I'm talking about 1991, so, so they appreciated this uh, industry. Ka, student मिल free to get to work. So, um, mm-hmm. but that at some point the desire rises in you, and you're like, no, um, I, I think I'll, I think I'll just do a job. And so I joined um, Hewlett Packard in Cupertino, and. Uh, mm, with them, I moved back to India in 98. So I was in the US from 91, 92 to 98. Um, and uh, so uh, it's very interesting. And I always get goosebumps when I'm telling the story to people. But this is a real story. I'm at HP and we are, when you're a geek there and you want to hacker and those kinds of things, the stuff. you don't like attending these meetings, organizational development meetings and all this because it's like, Yanding, yeah, your company your management. This is our managers up to work. This is one of those things. We'll get good lunch during these off sites. I was attending this. I remember this presenter was someone who'd been to Machu Picchu and uh, you know, Caucasian guy. And uh, he was doing his best to obviously keep our attention going. Final day he gives us a piece of paper and everyone's like Yeah, now this guy's going to ask us for rating, the yeah. Mulik pro for Likro. Anyway, he says, can I have your attention, please? And everyone looks up. And then he says, this piece of paper is going to be your epitaph. You guys are all dead. Whatever you write here will go on your tombstone. I want you to all start by writing, here lies with your name. And then mention, see again, I'm getting good goosebumps again. What you want to be remembered for. I'm very clear on the for. It should not be what you want to be remembered as. I don't want to hear about, you know, you were a good son or a good brother or a good... Uh, you know, Father. No, 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 no. What were your contributions on this planet? Because of which people should remember you. What do you want to be remembered? Or, dude, I kid you not, and I am getting goosebumps again. It's just incredible. That was the time you suddenly start thinking. Well, what did you write in that? Like, so I think everyone has. Uh, grandiose opinions about themselves from what i remember i think i I was just so overwhelmed by that thing that yeah what is the purpose right i think i wrote something around i have a disdain for the it was uh, more a description about myself than about the contribution that made because when you really look into it then you realize me so what if i made a a network uh, and people are able to use their atm cards or nasa scientists are able to do some computing everyone's working man i'm not like I mean did you make a difference in someone's life? So my parameters to that are a little different, I guess. So um, I think uh, I might have left most of the paper blank from what I remember. I might have written a couple of lines, but it I think it just made me think too much that and I think that was one of the reasons why I decided to move back to India. I did have aspirations of being able to do something in the social sector. I will have to influence people in my sphere of contact and perhaps that led me to get into startups so in 2000 i had um, the opportunity of uh, you know creating part of the founding team of a startup which was based out of based out of portland oregon but the entire operation was in india and we were building products software products for us and europe market i'm talking about i returned to india in 98 when half of india was moving to the us for y2k but i'm back in india and in those days, you could actually count product companies one hand. You know, there was Tally. Product companies, very, very few. Infosys had Finical. We were just building a Finical. But everyone was working in the services industry. You know, very few known product companies. We were one of the few product companies. And we actually created, so this was Trivium. What was the product of Trivium? We were into computer telephony. So this was the time when you call a call center, a screen pops up and and have like V-O-I-P that. Yeah, so voice over IP, computer telephony, customer relationship management, CRM system. So it's like when you call 1-800 number, that guy picks up and says, uh, hello, Mr. Saran, how are you? How does he know that Mr. Saran is falling? Those days, everyone has landlines. Caller ID is there and so the caller ID. So then what do you do with that information that Mr. Saran has called? So that's when we were working on integrating the base platform, if it's computers, if it's telecom industry, the base platform, along with the screen that says that, you had last followed us for this was a problem not solved, you know, so I'm certainly very happy that, yes, I am in good hands, you know that who are you exactly who are you? when did you last fall I don't see so so uh, it was a lot more uh, personal uh, you could talk to people, you know they could make judgment calls and decisions on the phone uh, and they used to do that very effectively. That was nice. Um so we were do- building those kind of systems and our customer base was all in the US and Europe. And so we were doing a lot of uh of, yeah. did that for about seven, eight years. We were um uh, we were doing very, very good. I mean, um we had acquired other companies, we had eight thousand odd customers in US and Europe. So pretty large. So and at that point, I realized that, you know, seven, eight years, good enough. Um, I was part of the founding team. So at some point, you feel like you want to do something new. Well, hey, you know. So that's when I started uh, my next startup. It was uh, it was in the consumer internet space. This was a company called Buzz Town. It grew to be present uh, with coverage of 18 cities in India and 19 cities in US and Canada. So the main thing, main starting point of this company was, uh, you know, this is 2007, 2006, 7. you know, you ask someone, Yar, kuch karte hai? what is the default answer you get? Picture dekhte hai, kahenge. It's like there is nothing else happening in your city, but go for a movie and then have lunch or dinner or whatever it might be. right? And there's so much more channels of wholesome entertainment all around you. It's just that you don't have discovery is the largest problem there because not everyone is online. Again, I'm talking about 2007. I'm talking about India. I'm talking about. 18 cities in India yeah. where well, yeah, we were targeting and we were saying, okay, we're going to be building a network which allows a lot of information on entertainment, lifestyle and leisure options across this. So that this is the uh, era when uh, newspapers would publish events like concert happening here. Then. Yes. And if you see the top newspapers in the country, you would find event listings from buzzandtown.com also. Because all of that was being so, we were gathering it all together, and we were supplying it to a lot of the the afternoon editions and the morning editions. We were the ones who were supplying the, most of the internet. We had created small you know windows, and they would embed these windows in various portals. So we we had a you know, three million subscribers and you know, all kinds of things. Very very neat. What was the monetization for this? Like you wanted to and before monetization, how did you collect? the information was it crowdsourced like user generated or yes so so in those days yeah. this phenomenon of crowdsourcing was not there basically you had to have teams presence a lot of phone calling to each of these venues so you organize events so we used to organize ground events we used to send people to gather information about all the venues because if i know all the venues then i know what's happening at the venue right so our call center used to call up all these guys and yeah, yeah, like, like in delhi you have India Habitat Centers. India Habitat Centre, City Ford, there's Kalyan Auditorium. So there there, there are about in, in a larger city, there are about fifty good places. Obviously there'll be and pop places over there. You can't get access to that and that over a five or six year period that long um, we were able to create that also. But the idea also is that we need to get access to that. So go and get information about venues and then call up those venues and say, what's happening, what's going on on that so and then list those. So monetization was obviously advertising. That was a common thing for content-oriented platforms that day. We used to do a lot of ticket sales So these events. Then we started saying, oh, you have events. Do you want us to sell tickets for you? And they were like, uh, oh, online, how does it work? What happens? You know, at that time, Book My Show had started in those days. So were, uh, we used to work with them, which was just cinema hall focused. Exactly. And we were doing events. So it was very clear the demarcation was very clear. We were like a combination, we like a ticket master by anything. But then we said, hey, so it's clear that there are entertainment options but people also eat food. The reality is that a lot of our outings are all around food. Ultimately, you will finally come down to Locust's restaurant. So can we find out a lot more options other than the usual movie theater on the food court? Are there other places, Hole in the Walls, that are very well known for specific theme. so we started doing that a lot of videos we made a lot of so a lot of audio and video content which we also used to monetize the restaurants and then we started on giving coupons for, for meals and also the fairly decent monetization that was the time when also this started deal a day so th- there was this company right groupon so the same model started coming in india where you used to say okay so yeah snap deal started like that ah, snap deal and so this is the deal for the day and so we have a lot of subscribers and they're all interested in entertainment. So I can give them a deal that says, hey, you know what? Um, you could get um, you know, this meal um, for, for so much if you buy so many coupons. But um, we were the last entrant and the first to exit in that space. Um, I think great about us, but we, were, we had the pulse of entertainment as far as India is concerned. And it was clear that the restaurants and whoever was giving the, the deal was actually beating. So they used to give it, it wasn't that they were making 50 and 60 and 80% margin. Man, no one is making that kind of margin anywhere in the world, but they were giving 80% off just so that customers would come in and taste the food. And hopefully they would like it so much that they would come keep coming back. Yeah, that's lifetime value concept. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Dude, anytime you get a discount, you go to that. Everyone was just looking for beans. You know, so that repeat visitor was not happening for these four guys, right? So it was a model that failed miserably. Groupon yeah. went public, but look at what happened. Um, and he, he, even Zapatos struggled with their gold program. Not all of them. All of them happened. And unfortunately, they had completely changed their model to only that. And hence, there there was a lot more struggle in the case of BuzzFound, we Town. We this was one more thing that we were doing. But anyway, that is that aside, so um, we got acquired by Yatra com uh, mm-hmm. made an offer. Uh, so Yatra was trying to make you know, their uh, association with their customers a little more sticky. The idea is you buy a ticket. You have many options to buy an airline ticket. And once you bought the airline ticket, you don't think of Yatra. Right. I in really infrequent use case. Hmm. Correct. So is there a glue that you can have so that now Yatra knows that you're going to be in Delhi for X number of days? Right, So can I tell you about what's happening in Delhi? Hopefully arrange a taxi for you, take you to the venue. You know, you're new in that city. Uh, Till when can you depend on your friends? And we started doing that. I I think that was the the glue. Was it a cash acquisition or Uh, stock? It was a combined thing. Uh, It was a combined thing. Yeah. As a software company, I'd realized that to get funding for... This is back again, talking about 2000 was the first startup. The second one was 2007. Money is still not coming necessarily to... These kinds of companies, yes, there are. Com- there were very good examples of companies that were getting funded, e-commerce oriented. Yeah. We were content play. We were different. It wasn't, uh, there were a lot more companies and they're not even around at this point, but we were all in this fray together. It helped to have a US headquarters because everyone used to, so then. Financing, funding became a little easier. Did that acquisition happen? And I think after the acquisition. Like you've been in B2B throughout uh, and then suddenly you decide to open like a very hardcore consumer business with that, which would need a lot of money to do customer acquisition, which would need money to build the supply of content. Like what made you choose that? Like why were you doing Buzz in Town? A practical problem which was which I was facing. You've just exited a startup. You're coming out. So I, by the way, I had made three portals. So I am one of those guys who doesn't do one at a time. For me, everything is three. I strongly believe in the power of three. It's not like the, the guy who shows up fourth in an Olympic event is, is no good. No, no, no. But people have a problem of remembering anything beyond three. There is Buddha's threefold path. Team, eight, team the number. You don't remember beyond three the only thing. Teen is very important right? So I do three. I made three portals and I went out to people and I tried to convince them. They were in three completely isolated domains. One was around salaries. I still believe that idea has a lot of merit. The other one was called lighthouse. It was basically your neighborhood. it was hyperlocal and the idea was that there's a lot of information that's within your neighborhood who is the best carpenter, the driver in your neighborhood hai. but in those days, again, 2007, right? There's a lot of information. Who is a good driver? Should I, am I need to get my house painted? Who's a good painter? I mean, Asian paint, like, and all these. These are recent things. A lot has changed in this country over the last seven, eight, nine years, right? So anyway, so, I'm, so that was the second portal. It was called Lighthouse. First one was around salary. And the third one was around lifestyle, leisure, entertainment. I built all three. 2007, I had three portals. And then I went out and said, "Okay, guys, who's funding which one?" Right? (laughs) Everyone just came to entertainment because entertainment is the one that gets funded. (laughs) It was like that same portal, little portal, (laughs) little. Like literally, no. I went to each of the to investors. It was very clear. I will be doing only one. So again, focus. No, I will. There's no indigestion here. It's there is no question about running three portals. Just one. Which one are you willing to fund? I'm very clear. These are three of my. Babies, I mean, they're they, in gestation stage, so I don't <laughs> have a problem of aborting them. <laughs> but uh, and you say, okay, fine, let's do this, and they do uh, invest uh, and they they gravitate towards entertainment. I'm <laughs> I'm fine, I did not have a problem. So those two um, are out, and mm-hmm. entertainment it is. Uh, and you raised the round before logic. You got a seed. So yeah, so I build these three portals on my own money, and then. When you start operations, then I have certain counters that I need this much before I will start because that to me, so I am one of those guys who kind of uses investors as good sounding boards. So I will handpick my investors who will add value because I do believe that entrepreneurs are driven and they land up making stupid decisions once in a while. So you need to have a good sounding board. And when a person gives you even a thousand rupees, right? He wants to make sure that they're used. Forget about a million dollars coming in, but Um, you know, they want to make sure that you're doing the right, as long as they are in it for the right reasons. If the reason is, I will be able to make five times, 10 times and all that, it doesn't happen at the seed stage. At the seed stage, all they're doing is, yes, good person, good team. I think the problem is large enough. The opportunity is large enough. I think he will be able to get the next round. So let me make sure that you can find that. That is a very, very good investor who understands that I have to take him to the next round. What that round is, no one has created. But it's large, enough. your face is good enough, pretty enough that they say, okay, fine, um, we'll do this. So that's what I landed up doing. Um, To me, B2B, B2C, these are all things that, demarcations that happened a lot later. But to me, it was another problem that we were fixing. And we had to hire the right kind of team, the right kind of people. And you can can make wondrous things happen. I am very, very clear about this, That You know, the team, people, it's all about people. It's it's all about people, not about anything. You get the right set of people. That's all that matters. Why did you sell to Yatra? Was it that uh, you did not see a path forward and in terms of raising funds and uh, all of that? Very good question. I think very few people have asked me this. So there comes a time when you realize that you started this with a mission. I think it's important somewhere, sometimes we Entrepreneurs have this issue that we either get too attached because there's always this thing, it's a baby, it's a baby, it's a baby. So you get, obviously you get attached to your creation. They forget that it's a business, you know, so all the decisions start to tend to be made more emotionally than it's a business house. You have to extricate yourself from it and make the right decision. So two things happen at that time. Yeah, what is good for the business? What is good for the business? What is good for the translation of your vision with which you had started the company? I think that is very important. What's vision? What's your right? That's why you, why do you become an entrepreneur? Not because you want to make a quick buck and exit from there. No. I think if you're doing that, know that you're doing that and then focus and drive it towards that. It's perfectly all right, dude. There is no harm in doing it. But know that. Don't start then with a grandiose vision, and but your ulterior motive is to make that million and run away. Don't mix the two, because then you'll be you'll mess around. So, so if you start with a vision, right, and then you're saying that, okay, what is the best path to get to that vision? So if someone was acquiring you and then not being able to take you to a place where you would have wanted to be taken, right? Then you say that, yeah, you know, maybe not the right thing to do. In our case, it was clear that e-commerce had started rising. This is 2011. E-commerce had started rising. We had two choices. We were a content portal, right? We have content. We we have creative writers, and we have creative teams, and working on creating a good content. And we have a good user base. So we have two options. One is we also pivot ourselves to become an e-commerce company. So that was one. Or the other is we tie up with someone who is willing to take this forward, this mission of heading around forward. So I think we chose latter instead of pivoting to become an e-commerce company. And so, in our case, we decided to do that. I think I have been passionate always about automobiles. Like I said, that IPS officer, so I've seen all kind of jeeps and vehicles and yeah. um, you know all kinds of other things. So, I've been around with them. Again, I'm talking about those days when we had Fiat's and ambassadors, and you had to apply for a Fiat, and seven years later you would be called, and you had a license that looked like a, a Reader's Digest book. It was that thick and would open in multiple and been through that era where it was like a talk of the town when you buy literally. So as part of an IPS service, you see all kinds of vans and, you know, all kinds of cars around. And so they've always fascinated engines, big engines, cars, all these have fascinated me. Environmental has has always excited me. Perhaps after I had my own kids, uh, it's something that I'm very, very conscious about. So both these have been passions. I think um, I had been waiting a lot for the hybrid vehicles to show up in India. This is, uh, I'm talking about 2009 910. I um, was very excited when Toyota announced that it is going to bring the, um, the Prius into India. Yes. I mean, largest selling, I've driven it in, in California. I view the, the amazing vehicle, right? And you're like, finally, you know, India, ka kuch it was introduced at a price point of 29 lakhs. At that price point, it's not going to make a dent in any shape, matter or format. I'm talking about that India in 2011, 91% of India's electricity was coming from coal grids, 91%. But even then, uh, I think 11 of the top 15 worst polluted cities of the world were in India. 11 of the top 20, yes. I think they were about, I think this was 2016, but I'm sure it was similar, 2016 we studied here, 2015 the IIT Kanpurki, very big and very off quoted study. 1.2 million people lose their lives in India every year because of poor air quality. 25% is attributed to road transport. 25% is attributed to road transport. 3 to 4 lakh people lose their lives every year in India alone. Every year in India alone. We will not discuss this even on page 17 of our newspapers. COVID may, please don't take me wrong, I've lost family um, in COVID, a lakh people died. National lockdowns, it has changed the way we think about our personal, interpersonal reaction, relationships, we wear masks, we do all kinds of things. Three to four lakh people die every year and have been dying for the last couple of decades. Every year because of road transport related pollution, not just in India, across the world, of course, India has the worst situation. You know, people hate it when I say this, but COVID actually came as a boon from God. It helped save lives in our country. That was a year when fewer people have died on the road. This is a fact. I, I'm not even talking about the ailments that people have or the lung problem, all kinds of other issues of the cancer that are caused. I'm not talking about that. Even road accidents came down. Yeah. So it's, And the incumbents have no interest in making change happen. You must realize this. I mean, this is not an Indian phenomenon across the world. Dieselgate was not an India-oriented scam. Dieselgate, if you remember, two, three four years back, it happened. Volkswagen was the one that was like a slap on the wrist to say, "Oh, you've been doing this." And then every, pretty much all the big automobile companies across the world started showing up, saying that yes, they had sent wrong data, or yes, they had done a little bit of that, little bit of that. Every company, pretty much the largest of the large companies, were involved in some shape, matter of form of trying to modify results to make sure that they could sell more polluting vehicles on the road. It's a fact. Because you've invested thousands of crores of rupees in setting up petrol, diesel, LPG, CNG infrastructure. How can you walk away from it? And it's not just that infrastructure. I mean, there are workshops, there are employees working in workshops, there is an entire green market of parts. I mean. There's a reason why every time the government announces and says that there should be more electrification, the people who will stand up and oppose it are the ones who are incumbents. The Freya shows up. This is 2011, May, June. I am down and making an exit. All that is happening. And I'm beginning to think, okay, I should be doing this. I'm very disappointed that something like this is happening. So one question, you wanted to build, you thought you should get into mobility. And electric vehicles specifically, or just like hybrid vehicle, because uh, maybe the Tesla was probably not even like a known name, not even something that was being considered, at that point? no, absolutely. No, so uh, it was clear that something has to be done, and you'll be surprised of how things play out. This is uh, late 2011. I'm playing golf with some buddies. I mean, I'm not very good at it, but you know my, my handicap is probably a few thousand. Like, and I'm cribbing. You're cribbing <laughs> about the price at like 30 lakh. Yes, and and I'm cribbing. So, you know, in, in classic Panjus type, Then, yeah, This is when the thing struck. This is the problem. Everyone says it is not their problem. It is someone else's problem. By the time we came back from that, the day from the golf course, it was Sunday, it was nearing afternoon. I was sitting behind. I remember those two guys were sitting in front. I was sitting in the rear seat and I just came forward between the two guys and I did this. As a, a body bana geerom, so the vision of Halter Green when we started and has been there since then is carbon free transportation And uh, it's clear to us that even if all vehicles become on that first day of February 2013, if they all become electric still, the people will continue to die because vehicles are becoming progressively older and more polluting. Mm-hmm as time passes, and if they are dying because of the vehicles that are there already, I'm not fixing that problem. So they will continue to die. It's just that the newer vehicles that are going to show up are going to be electric. This is in case if all of these vehicles convert to electric. So so then we said, okay, so place where we need to fix this is going to be on existing vehicles. Okay, Okay, electrification is going to be key. We were very clear that alternate fuels are obviously easier To use because you already have existing systems, but electrification of transportation is going to happen. Electric vehicles are a lot more simpler, and I can get into a long monologue on why electric, but electric vehicles are a lot simpler. You know, the classic example of 2000 moving parts in a combustion engine vehicle versus 17 moving parts in an electric vehicle. So they're a lot simpler. And the engine and the motors are themselves very efficient. A combustion engine operates best case scenario at 25% efficiency. Best case scenario. 25%? What is this 25%? Like, what does it show?
1: If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show.
0: It's all the fuel that you're burning and the objective of your vehicle, which is transportation. So... What is the energy that you consume, the fuel that you burned, and what percentage of that was helping, you know, moving you to your final destiny, which is mobility, right? You use a car for mobility. You don't sit in a car and say, yeah, kar air conditioning ke Ka- kar because I can't buy an air conditioner for our home. So I'm just sitting in a car and i just sitting like, that. you don't move that, right? Transportation is the need. So how much of that energy is converted to moving forward, right? So. 25% is best case. I'm talking about good cars, global cars, mm-hmm. 9, 25% efficiency. And electric motor, 90% efficiency. Huge difference. Huh? I'm talking engine to engine. Huge difference. So it's just it's very clear that you know you need to have electric mobility. Electric, the drivetrain has to be electric, electrifying. That's where we started. And we said, okay, let's start working, taking baby steps towards electrification. So now you start thinking of it. So 2012, we had done some work. I was able to find a very good set of people. with a PhD in control engineering. He was six years yeah. junior to me in Santa Barbara. And I uh, mean, Norwegian American guy. Six years of my junior just happened to um, become friends with him. I was in fact taking one of his labs. And anyway, that's also a long story. But he was the only guy who I remotely knew was connected to automobiles. I don't have anyone of them I know. So... Um, so I called him up, I said, dude, um, I want to do something in this space. What, what, can, what kind of things can we do? And so that's when the conversation starts. So we had been doing some background work, trying to figure out uh, whether electrification, what kind of electrification, what kind of power needs does the country have. You know, so we had instrumented my passenger car. I still remember. He said that, why don't you give me some drive profiles from India? Now, today, this word has become very common because you have a own application on the phone. What is this meaning of this word? Drive profile. So the idea is how do people drive, which means how much power do they consume? How much do they accelerate? How much do they use the brake pedal? What is going on in a car in India? Today, you have GPS applications that are written on your phone. You can reverse compute these kinds of things. But in 2011, nothing, nothing like that exists, right? So he told me, he sent me potentiometers from the US and I instrumented my own Honda car, much to my wife's dismay, but we did that. And she's like, dude, what's on? don't you're going to save the planet, dude. Be, be, be proud. And I'm telling my, 2011, my daughter was four years old. I'm trying to convince her that your dad is going to save the planet. And she's like, what does save mean? What is planet? <laughs> yeah, and just trust me on this, yeah. uh, but anyway, so <laughs> so I'm instrumenting the car, I'm sticking all kinds of things on the gas pedal and on the accelerator, on the brake, on the clutch, and then trying to, so I record some data, the data access and all the data has been coded. how I'm pressing each of these pedals for how long I'm pressing, so I send these over to Lassa. A data file gets created, I have a laptop running there and I'm driving around in Delhi. I send this file to Lhasa and Lhasa then calls me up, uh, late night morning for him and says, Dude, who was driving? me? I said, no, 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 I was driving. So what happened? You used to drive really well when you were here in California driving and I said, What happened to you, dude? So I said, Why? What happened? Dude, I really thought that this person should be hanged because they have no clue of how to drive. Like, all over the place. You know, you accelerate brake, accelerate brake, accelerate brake, that's all you're doing. So I said, this is life in India, you know. This (laughs) is city driving in India. Yeah, you're driving slowly, first of all, speeds are very low. And then you're being cut off by something, a cyclist, a motorcyclist, there's a bus that shows up, there's a car on the street, all kinds of things are going on. If nothing else, there might be a speed breaker. Indian speed breakers are. What is a speed breaker? I said it's equivalent to a stop sign. You know, but in a stop sign, you may run a stop sign. You don't run a speed breaker in India because we have built like inverted U's. It's not like a gradual thing. So in Europe, they call them sleeping policemen because you are going over it. But here, they are like inverted U shaped You know, dome structure. You have to come to a dead stop and then you will climb. So anyway, I said these are realities. We don't like people to drive fast and hence we make sure that there are enough speed breakers on the road. We don't appreciate when people drive fast. A lot has changed in the last five, six years. People are today willing to discuss higher speeds on highways. Our roads have become a lot better and 2019. 2011, you know. So he says there's a lot that can be done because it's clear that you do accelerate, deaccelerate, accelerate, deaccelerate. De- and that's why this whole concept of regenerative energy. Every time you de you were wasting energy that you had consumed to accelerate the vehicle. Now you decelerate by braking. What's happening when you brake? The kinetic energy is converted to heat in your brake pads, noise and heat. That is why you have a screeching noise and your engine vibrates and your, the hook vibrates. All these are law of conservation of energy, right? That same kinetic energy is converting to different forms of energy vibrational, torsional, all kinds of things vehicles, kids, the screeching line. So all that is whatever. Is there a way we can convert that energy into electric energy? So the whole idea is 91% of electricity comes from coal grids. It would be wrong to create an electric vehicle that is running purely on electric if I'm going to be charging it from the coal grid. And hence, is there something we can do on existing vehicles and convert that waste energy, that 25% Uh, that 75% of waste energy, can I convert part of that to electric energy and use that to boost my vehicle? So very, very noble thing. Uh, We started working on it, but the idea was we will create the electric system. Now, we started looking at sourcing components again. And this is what a hybrid vehicle is, right? Like, like this is what Prius would also be doing, that capture that braking power, the waste of energy due to braking. And the Prius, you're absolutely right. But the Prius is, is built as a, a dual energy vehicle, right? It's built with two, there are two transmissions: there's electric and there is this, and then there is a, you know, some way in which power to the wheels is given through two different systems. Obviously, Toyota masters this, right? It's not easy to build a full transmission vehicle, but they've done it in different forms of VS also. Electric uh, first and then, you know, an engine as a backup or an engine that drives in the beginning and then you do electric. So there are different things that happen. There are different forms of hybrid electric vehicles. We were saying that we will build an electric system that can be retrofit on existing petrol-diesel vehicles, converting them to hybrid. My Expertise is in building the electric system that can be small enough that can be retrofitted in a car. So, now, okay, so this is a very noble thing. Okay, let's start looking at motors, and then you realize that motors, you engine is like, you know, the ambient temperature inside the engine is like 100 plus degrees. This is the ambient. If you touch the metal, it's like yeah, you can't touch it. Yeah, 200 to 300, there's ignition, there's ignition happening times a minute there is there is combustion happening inside that you can imagine right? you know it it, it, so it's a very different thing that you have to build and then we realize that we will have to build these technologies india is a very different beast it's not something that you can just bring from another geography and put it inside a vehicle. i'm a big proponent of this that it's high time that people started looking at india as a market not just to say that okay I built this for Europe, but India should be able to use it. Morning, Yuga Boss. My geography and my needs are very different compared to the rest of the world. Anything that is considered abuse in the world is a day-to-day scenario in this country. As far as mobility is concerned, and hence, you need a very different kind of vehicle. Diesel, petrol has been around for 100 years. We've been used to that, and the vehicles have been made so well that they're able to Allow all these kinds of freedoms to be given to people. You can overload, you can run inside water, over water, and it works, right? It keeps running. They figured that part out. So electrical technology also has to reach that place where it will allow us to do that. So that's when we said, okay, we'll have to build our own motors, our own controllers. They have to be a bit small enough because okay so you say that okay who are going to be my consumers and then you realize well it's not going to be people who are driving 22 kilometers a day which is what a 22 or 30 kilometers a day which is what a typical passenger vehicle in our country right we were targeting four meters I mean it has to be something different it has to be people who are driving yeah 250 300 which is a taxi when you look at the taxis that are present in the country at that time most of them are diesel and uh, you know the top guys the the Suzuki desire you know, Tata Indigo, Indigo, uh, Nigo, and ETRs. You know, those kinds of vehicles. Then you open the the, the the foot of the engine and then you realize motor <laughs> Because there is it's like, there's hardly any weaving space inside that thing. And the like big, so it's not like a small petrol engine. So exactly like, so then you need to miniaturize everything and then create that miniaturized thing. Then typically miniaturization is also associated with you know, software thing, you know. It's a tiny watch, so you have to be careful, you know, it should not go this, it should not fall, whatever, right, XYZ. But in the case of a vehicle, it has to move through the abuse, so your electrical system has to be very nice. And so we started doing that. We started doing a lot of innovations in making miniaturized good products. And we did a lot of work in there to create the electrical foundation that could be retrofit on existing vehicles, converting them into electric hybrids. And we were giving anywhere from, depending on the type of vehicle we were building. This was also used for small trucks. So depending on the kind of vehicle, we were giving anywhere from 11%, 12%, all the way up to 33%. Um, There are reports that were published in the Times of India, in Economic Time, where our customers were standing up and saying that they are seeing this kind of benefit. How many years did it take you to start doing beta testing? So the first year was in the US, 2012. This is before the company was founded. We took our first round of funding around December 2012, January 2013. If I remember correctly, it was a little under a million dollars. There was a seed. Before that, all the expenses were done by IP. By, by e. But in any case, uh, we started doing that. We laid the foundation of the company in January 2013. And um, in 2012 itself, we'd actually started filing patents. Um, we were very clear that uh, innovation is going to be key. And if we are innovating, I don't want it to be an afterthought. If I'm doing something new, I want the world to know that India can also innovate in EMEs. Why Why should we not? And it's clear that we're driven out of India, for India. Um, so we'll do that. So we started filing patents. And uh, you know the obvious thing—you pile a patent in India, and everyone just nods. You tell someone you're a patent in India, and just nods their head. And you say, "Well, I have six patents in the US." And in- "Oh, sure. oh, sure. oh yeah. in the US." In- but it's—it's it's also I, things are changing. But the idea for us today have 26 global patents that are being granted to us, not applied, but granted to us. Once again, the idea is not that we want to create a moat. And tell people, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. But to kind of communicate to the entire planet that our geography needs innovation. I'm not saying that I built better motors than the best manufacturers in the world. No, they build much better stuff. All I'm saying is that if you need to build something for my geography, you will have to innovate. And we are using some of the innovations that we have done for matching the needs of this geography in this patent and it has been globally accepted that these are innovations that have been done. That's all we are doing by saying, proving the point that you need to innovate if you need to deliver this. And there's a reason why we're building the most efficient systems and the best vehicle. I think in December 2013 is when we had tested our first version, beta version of the kit. We called it Pixie. So that's pretty fast, like with it, within a year's so no, but we've done all our groundwork in 2012, so we knew exactly what we needed to build. And 2013, with the funding, we started off by rolling out, uh, you know, starting to build our first motor. It was very, very difficult. We were clueless. We had no idea how this is done. But you know, you have a drive. You start meeting people. Start figuring out how motors. What is the network? What? Uh, how do you go? I remember as uh, co-founders, then um, Dr. John Mangura joined us. Um, 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 he is a PhD in electromagnetics. He knows only rotating machines. That's all he knows. Um, um, uh, Shailene, Bitfilani, Filani, I'm Amdabag, finance and manufacturing background. So this was the perfect combination software, control engineering, which is the hardware, electronic software. Then you have motors and you have a finance and manufacturing guy. Perfect combination. Four guys got together. Again, a message to entrepreneurs, you know. It's perfectly all right if you're just one, but typically I've noticed that, you know, it's very difficult to balance a stool on just one leg. Try to have more than one. People with complementary skills, don't be afraid of sharing your wealth, your whatever, your ownership. Share the stake with them. Make them feel proud that they're also part of the founding team. It'll help you in the long run. Again, you're driven by a vision. If the vision is make money, it's a different thing. But if the vision is, we need to change something. We need to do this because we want to save people's lives. Today, the employees of particularly you ask any one of these guys. The vision is that we might not be surgeons, but we can still save lives. We're doing it because we want to be behind a better planet. Otherwise, no one joins a startup company that is working out of a garage when they have to leave their cushy jobs in air transmission building. I mean, startup electric vehicle there is a lot to do with you know software stacks, embedded software, embedded cars. It's a different beast. So anyway. So we had our first beta. What is the product? Like, like it's replacement to the combustion engine. So it's basically a kit which has a motor, a controller, uh, some electronics, a lot of power conversions, a battery pack, and it is retrofit in the vehicle. So you take your regular, let's say a Suzuki Desire, and you have your electrical system that you embed in it. It has to be done in such a way that it doesn't interfere with the vehicle at all. So whatever is happening to the diesel engine continues to happen, but you are taking inputs. And you are somehow being in a position to assist the engine. So the engine has its own efficiency and non-efficiency zones. So you are trying through the energy that you have recuperated, you're trying to change a little bit of the dynamics of the engine so that it's always, or you're trying your best to run it at the most efficient zone. And just stick to that. It's obviously IP, what we do in it. But the idea is that you do something like that. And that's what we were doing. And we were getting an improvement of anywhere from whatever 12 13, percent 40% all the way up to 33% improvement. So we did that. It was a great thing. We had, I should have said alpha version by December 2013. Uh, we had probably a good beta in 2014. December in 2015 is when we went to ARAI to get a type approval of this as a kit. So now what is ARAI? is the Automobile Research Association of India, which is where this is the apex body that decides all the rules and regulations. So what happens in a vehicle? So all everything from your steering wheel and the headlamps and the motors and the tires and everything in a standard vehicle is controlled through a set of AIS, which is Automotive India Standards. And those standards, the apex body for this is ARI, they're based in Pune. Amazing people. They set all these standards. There is BIS. There's all kinds of things. The Bureau of Standards and, and and all that. But they are the ones that deal with the automotive side. And they will say, well, you have to cater to this. Very very nice people because we were able to work with them. India is amongst. The, I'm saying few countries. Uh, I don't know of any other country, but I don't know it's India. India is one country that has an entire standard for hybridizing vehicles. We were part of that team, which also held in incident because of the CNG wave. Yes. So CNG was one, but we were part of the wave that also kind of moved it not just to CNG, but to, you know, um, electric. So the whole concept of electric hybridization, we are one of the few countries that has an entire standard for it. We did that. So this is 2015 is when we got the type of tool for it. And that's when we started working with a lot of customers. So we started working with the real customer, you know, doing and doing customer trials with them. Uh, we did not want to do anything illegal. So we've never uh, uh, wanted to do any customer trials on kit and technology that had not been approved by ARAI. So we did that. And then we started customer trials. These we were with various companies in cab companies. Transportation companies were using these vehicles. We had type approval for many vehicles. I think it was very well accepted, but at some point, I think we realized that we were a thorn for some of the OEMs because we were kind of delaying the buying decision of a new vehicle uh, for a driver, right? I mean, if we we were improving the efficiency of an older vehicle, then the driver would say, uh, a typical driver would change his vehicle because the efficiency has come down and now the mileage has reduced to an extent where you know the math is not working out for him. So perhaps uh, that was one of the reasons we also realized that in some cases the drivers were driving an owner-driven uh, an owner's vehicle. And there they used to make money out of perhaps some amount of fuel pilferage. Now, when I introduce an electric system which has telematics in it, again. New things in those days as telematics, I can tell you exactly how much a vehicle was driven, how many times did it stop, why it stopped at a gas station. I mean all that thing is clearly documented. Okay, so so the device uh, was IoT enabled, that that uh it had yeah, yes, everything was so obviously a PhD in computer science at the Helmos no. so, the company. <laughs> so and software has always been a very key and integral part of uh, anything that we build. A- and this was a, a one-size-fits-all device like, like that. India, you don't, you, you're not allowed to do that. So you have to have it customized. Because once again, I can't change anything in the vehicle. That was our motto. You can put it inside and you can remove it. Nothing happens to your vehicle. Obviously, there might be a couple of holes here and there. You know, just to hold that thing together. But other than that, we would not. So everything had to be customized according to the vehicle that we were building. We had type of and trials for many, many kinds of vehicles that were being used in different segments. So whatever it be, at the end of the day, we built this. People were at awe. We displayed it. They just appreciated it too much. And I think the OEM started coming forward to us. Now we are in the retrofit business, right, which is very difficult. You're having to convince a driver that this will <laughs> you'll you save money, money. Or, or you're going to a seat and trying to convince them that this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's a hard sell. It's a very hard sell. It's not easy. Because once again, you're talking about like, he having to make the investment here or she having to make it or you know someone having to do something. What happens to the warranty? All the vehicles are out of warranty anyway. So we, on that campaign, we were bringing in warranty ourselves. We did the entire nine yard. We were getting financing, all kinds of things we did. right? But um, by that time, the OEM... Was- and what was it priced at like, for converting a vehicle? What was it yeah. ah, So this was all... Uh- for a typical vehicle, it would be 75,000 rupees. Um, you know, so you have a 6 lakh rupee vehicle and you put a 75,000 rupee this thing. You would need to change the batteries. These were lead-acid batteries. You could change them every three years. The investment was another 15,000 or less. 10,000 when we were doing it, uh, along with a very good OEM partner. site was our OEM partner. So we built batteries for them. So all in all, it was, uh, it was actually a good thing. I don't feel that probably at some point uh, in the future, we will have more of a hybridization thing. I'm already seeing baby steps towards that. But anyway, we were very clear that the mission is to save lives and the mission is to make sure that we are working on electrified transportation, whether retrofit or not. Uh, at that point, the OEM started showing up and they said, there's no point in fighting about these things and let's get over the differences. Why don't you help us in making electric drive trains for our future electric vehicles? You know, you've built this wonderful system. And in closed doors, they would actually say me, Dr. we tried really hard. We have been doing this for the last six to eight years. We have not been able to do what you guys did in the last couple of years. So we know that you are technologists, you're good guys. Why don't you work together on doing this? So we were very excited, eh? Here I was trying to sell it to so many people. Now I will just sit here, I will talk to AEMs, I will make good electric drive frames for them. And we will be millionaires very soon, and all vehicles will become electric. And, you know, we are fixing everything. And so I'm going to the roof, the, the source, and from there, you know, fixing that and everything becomes okay. We had contracts from two wheeler, three wheeler, four wheeler, and, um, you know, farm equipment tractor manufacturers to build such drive trains for their future vehicles. Extremely excited. Uh, this was a research contract or was it a manufacture and sell? Yes, this was actually a manufacturing contract to say that we will obviously expedite the development for you, for your drive things. We will own the IP for these drive frames because this is this. But the objective is that we will supply you with manufactured drive things because it takes a different amount of expertise. And you as conventional combustion engine guys don't have that. We will be providing you this. Like Maruti used to put uh, Fiat's diesel engine uh, because they didn't have in-house diesel. That of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, Maruti, Tata, all these guys used to do the same thing till they built it. Uh, Or for example, you know, Maruti in the beginning used to have this Subros air conditioning equipment, the track system, that blue button from Subros, right? So, we were just saying that. Um, now, for the drive chain, it was a different thing. We would be making full electric drive trains for their future full electric vehicles. And hence, we have the contract from two-wheeler, three-wheeler, four-wheeler, and pump equipment manufacturers. We are rolling in money for the first time. We are seeing revenues coming in, interaction with OEMs. They make these drive trains, patents are flowing in, all kinds of very really good things are happening. And then we start shipping them these prototype drive trains on their vehicles. We start testing them. And then we realize that the incumbents, it's important for them to show that they're working on electric vehicles, but the end objective is not to convert very quickly. My drive is to make things happen tomorrow. My drive is not to wait for the next 10 years to do this, right? They're looking at the infrastructure in terms of thousands of crores they've invested, their investors and their shareholders and what they expect both, and that is not going to happen their fear that electric vehicles will cannibalize their existing business. It's not that suddenly their market share will increase from X percent to Y percent, where X will continue uh, and Y will get added to it. They're very practical, they're very good, they're very sane people. And so it became very clear to us that all said and done, this is not going to be expedited by them. And Tesla was a classic example. Tesla was voted as the best vehicle ever made not the best electric vehicle ever made, the best vehicle ever made is by a company that was led by also a computer scientist right? So we say that was, yeah you know, this is, I'm talking about, we are already in 2018, uh, 2018, 2019, and 2018. And we said that, guys, enough is enough. Okay, let's, if it takes to become an OEM, we'll become an OEM. So we made a full electric two-wheeler, a full electric three-wheeler, and a full electric four-wheeler. And we made them and we put prototype once again. The power of three. for me, the three. Put them out for people. I said, guys, you're going to be using them. It's clear to me that. So a couple of things that happened in multigreen, we would focus on the last mile transport segment. Any change that happens at the bottom end of the pyramid for India, it doesn't happen at the top. The US and the Western economy, they start with the best vehicle ever built. You know, ludicrous mode. 650 mile range, winning doors, all kinds of things. And people, you know, are in between oh, and disbelief. Oh, don't be <laughs> rocking. Right. And you start looking at it. And finally, what you are selling is a $35,000 bike. Right. It happens, come down. But Hindustan, way, everything. And when I say Hindustan, I mean, and India, and the emerging markets, South Asia, Africa, South America, very similar profile. Right. you bottom up. You focus on the bottom end of the pyramid. The guys who have the least money are the ones who will first start taking the risk. Right? Because it has some financial gains from them. India is a country which has the most famous ad campaign of mm-hmm. Kitna Bethig, you know, Maruti not. A mm-hmm. ad campaign, very, very famous. It's a reality in a country, and I am very proud of the fact that we're conscious about our spending. There's no harm in doing that. We're not stingy. We spend a lot of money, but we're conscious about money that we spend, right? So, this is good. So, we're part of that. Yeah. So we're part of that. So, We have to do something like that. So I built these, I put it out. And I say, guys, you take your pick. You tell me which one you're willing to bet on, which one you're willing to sign up for customers. This was to uh, logistics uh, fleet operators. Yes. So this was to the general public. Obviously, I am talking about two-wheeler, three-wheeler, one commercial formula, largely commercial. We were clear that commercial guys are the first to adopt because they are seeing benefit. They have no attachment to the vehicle. It's not a driver or not willing to take the risk. And yeah. so most of these guys came forward and said, you need a three-wheeler up car. This is the, the right thing. Now, we had done a lot of things. we had done a lot of research by then. we would spoken to the 1,500 odd guys to figure out what their needs were, how much they were driving in diesel. We were clear from day one when we make a vehicle, it has to compete with diesel. My competition is not other electric vehicles. I do not want to hear we are better than that guy and we are better than that guy. It has to compete with diesel. You know, apples to apples, they're both there. Can it do everything that diesel can do? I'm a technologist. I have to make sure that I never give him a vehicle which is a compromised vehicle. Switch this off, don't do this. Why did you do overloading? Nothing. He drives the vehicle in a certain way. We know how he drives, what he needs. He's figured out the economics first. Don't try to preach to him. He's figured it out. Give him that respect that he deserves, right? Let him do it. So that's when we said that, okay, we'll have to build. And hence, a lot of innovation started happening, even in that. So it's not just about making the tiniest motor and the lightest motor. bus. this guy is going to overload by 30, 40, 50, 100%. He needs it to run for 10 years. Can you guarantee that? I give with a lengthy, right? It has to be serviceable. You don't throw away things in our country, right? It will be rebound, it has to be serviceable, it has to be manufacturable. There are lots of things that you have to cater to. It has to run in 50 degree ambient temperatures in Rajasthan also. You're not making it for Bangalore alone. So a lot of things that are obvious. It has to be able to run underwater. You know, there will be water logging, stagnation, all kinds of things that will happen. There will be dust, hot hole, all has to be environmentally safe. Like I said, anything that is considered abuse anywhere in the world is a day-to-day scenario. in the country. if I cannot create an electric vehicle that does that, I am not in the market. I don't want to be in the market. That's what we did. We looked at everything. And hence, today, the three-wheeler that we have, the delivery vehicle, we focused on 3 wheeler because that is what people were willing to bet on. But our vehicle today has the longest range on a single charge. It's been ARAI tested at 181 kilometers. But on the road with all kinds of adverse, you layer to load it the way you want to load it, drive it with your foot off a brake pedal to whatever, it's kilometers piece kilometer. Why 120? Because in our 1500 vehicles that we spoke to, they typically said 8200 kilometers. With overflowing diesel that is available anywhere and everywhere, he's driving 8200 kilometers. So I need to give him that thing. Okay, one more saying. I am not in the transportation business. I am in the peace of mind business. I need to ensure that he never thinks that he has to stop for five hours to get charge a night. No. You focus on your business. This thing is going to run with you for you the entire day. All I ask for is three, three and a half hours of charging bus. So, who made a faster charger that allows him to charge in three, three and a half hours on a regular 220 volt 16 amp socket? I'm saying that you would be able to drive comfortably up suddenly because it's electric, you know, sir, I'm going to drive 200 kilometers No bike. Why right? do you suddenly want to drive 100 kilometers a day? <laughs> yeah. so, we are doing this. Uh, so longest range on a single chart, it has the highest volumetric capacity. So we realize that India is moving away from last time, believe, we has moved away from tonnage to volumetric. You buy a tiny little cell from Amazon, and it comes in a large package, right? Now, yes, so it's all become polymetric. So we need to support a larger volume. They are using bigger vehicles because they want that's the only vehicle that they can get which can support this volume. We created a vehicle that can give you 90% of what you can load on a on a four wheeler platform, on a small commercial four wheeler platform. So typically it's 192, 192 cubic feet that you get in a typical small commercial vehicle. On a three-wheeler, you can get 177 cubic feet. It's the largest that you can possibly think of as long as you're within the limitations posed by the government of India as far as standards are concerned. We will never do anything that is against it. We created that, but you had to create a vehicle that allows it to be true. How did you create that? Like you made it longer and wider? Or? Yes, but within the norms, But we had to see three-wheelers The Genesis who are from, from passenger vehicles. And then they created on the same platform, they created a cargo vehicle. So we built a platform that was high. Once again, peace of mind. So debris, don't worry about it. Plus water logging, don't worry about Right? It's just drive. So we have to make structural changes in the vehicle. We built independent suspension thing that we made changes in the vehicle to support that. But these were the needs. So focus on the customer need and build something against that. That's what we did. And uh, today. We're present in nine cities. We have eligibility to sell in 14 states of the country. When did the vehicle uh, project like get launched? 2019, you decided to become an OEM, right? Turn OEM, but we had built our first three-wheeler, electric three-wheeler in 2018. We launched our first branded vehicle in January of 2021, three years later. Most startups who started creating vehicles that have not been around for three years. We tested a three-wheeler for three years, made sure that it was something that would compete with diesel. That's the genesis of this company. We started selling in January 2021. Obviously, COVID hit very quickly. But anyway, we started building on that. We have amongst the best customers on board. Most of the e-commerce companies were using our product. Um, And then we realized that now it's a question of scaling. Uh, We've proven our vehicles. They've been running for over 12 months um, in different... Geographies, so like I said, nine cities. So, we were not saying that we proved ourselves in Bangalore, Ligon, Bilima, the Jalayani, So, across India, north, south, east, west, we've driven them. Some vehicles have done 25, 30,000 kilometers on them already. They were performing very well. Obviously, there will be teething issues. I'm the first one to, in fact, I had a very long article that I wrote for Economic Times only because of this reason that, you know, don't be afraid of failures. Don't call them failures, the breakdowns that happen. Innovation, wait. You can, any geography, any sphere that you be, if you are afraid of innovation, afraid of failure, afraid of these things, you can never innovate. I, and I was thinking uh, the Clayton Christopherson analogy of saying there is a sustaining innovation versus disruptive innovation. Disruptive innovators will cause great things to happen, but of course, uh, there will also be failures and breakdowns that could happen. And so, don't be afraid of that. Just be, make sure that as part of your planning process, you know how to take hold of it, you know, so the customer's livelihood that is depending on you. Hence we call our vehicle also our vehicle is branded neem. It's new energy electric vehicle, of course, but neem it is the foundation of a person's livelihood. We are cognizant of it. we we're not saying that boss it is very good for the planet. Ah, the making more money today on vehicle because it gives 120 kilometers of uninterrupted mobility To we have an office in mysore we routinely drive our vehicle bangalore mysore and still there is 22 percent charge that is still left so it does 150 kilometers but anyway that aside so what is the economics for a driver uh how much money does it save yeah so very clear more typical auto diesel auto will take anywhere from four to four and a half rupees a kilometer a typical Me, you'll be able to get around 80 pesa kilometer. Is is there a difference in the one time payment? Yeah. So, what we realized is that all commercial vehicles are financed. No one pays cash down. So, there is only a down payment that you have to give. So, you pay a down payment. That down payment has to be identical in both cases. That is number one. Number two, then you have a monthly cost that you have to bear, which is the cost of diesel and the EMI, right? I have to make sure that this combined thing has to be a lot in the favor of the electric vehicle. And we were able to do it very peacefully, even when he replaces the battery. And obviously, we have now investment, uh, we raised a 300 floor round. So every investor has gone through the math. And it is very clear there is a TCO benefit over an eight-year period, even with the battery pack replacement. The TCO benefit is going to be up to 50%. TCO stands for total cost of ownership, total cost of ownership. So that includes the EMI that he has to pay, that includes the diesel or the fuel cost that he has to bear, the maintenance that he will need to do if the battery replacement has to be done over the lifetime of a vehicle, which is the lifetime of B eight years. See, now things are changing. And telling people, why do you have to run a vehicle for 10 years? Why? And give me a good reason, right? And saving. don't go commercial vehicles. Right? As long as on a monthly basis, earlier what was happening is you were... And most of these drivers are making per 13,000 rupees a month. If I can ensure that you're making 20,000 rupees a month, I suppose, if I can ensure that. Do you really care how long this vehicle lasts? Why do you care? As far as you're concerned, you're making more money on a monthly basis. And you have enough money left that ensures that you will be able to get your next vehicle on board. Why are we even concerned about this? mindset change is going to happen this whole concept of ownership and there's a lot that has been written about it ownership versus releasing transportation as a service even if you own it i don't believe in ownership i think the good thing but ownership that leads to a positive change there are various models and that's why i said that innovation is not just about making the vehicle, but innovation in the entire ecosystem where you're charging vendors you know for the financing vendors for the service and sales you know there has to be innovation and you'll we constantly start seeing those innovations now from multi-game. When, ha- when we expand our network, we, we raised, like I said, we raised 300 floors from very, very good investors, 6M, Reliance, invested in us exponential, you know, investors from the U.S. and Singapore, Singapore, Metro, um, the urban transportation part. This was the first major round you raised? Yes, yes. First major round. Obviously, I always run a, founded, a funded company. Uh, We very, very planned that a lot of investors came on board and they had supported us, but never anyone that was frivolous, like taking money from builders or or diamond merchants, didn't happen. And and like you've invested in a manufacturing facility, like do you manufacture in-house? Of course. Yes. Yes. Like I said, everything from steel to wheel, owned by us. Obviously, I have an entire ecosystem of partners who are working with me. So I've not created a foundry where I am doing aluminum die-cast. What's okay, interesting? So, and Hindalso would provide me with the aluminum die-cast parts, right? I have invested in tooling. Yes. So, in my partners are invest in tooling, so they have to cater to my standards of quality, and they would supply me only for my IP-related things. So, I have an Atari, but I don't make my headlights, I don't make my tires and my wheels. Yeah, my brake line, why should I make? Them? No, that's a, nobody makes that. Even Bharati works with OEMs. Yeah, I mean, they make millions, but the core electric stuff, anything that is remotely, the motor, the controller, the DCDG, the the display cluster, the telematic staff, the gearbox, uh, the battery, the battery management system, anything that is remotely electric on which my vehicle has to depend is under all degree control, start to finish. So where is your factory? L- like, uh, it's all in Bangalore. Yeah, we're all in, we're in, in, in Bangalore. Oh, of course, it's a smaller unit because we wanted to put, we've got about 250-odd vehicles on the road. And uh, like I said, they've been tested. And now when the smartphone goes to expand, uh, basically right now you have achieved product market fit in a way, L- like, and now you're entering the growth. We have significant orders. We have orders for over 5,000 vehicles. And that's what gave us the confidence. These orders are backed by advances. This is not like someone saying, ha to bana mein Backed by advances. Because I, I needed to be, you know, absolutely certain. And those are the ones that ensure that, um, you know, to the investors also that give them a lot of confidence that this is really good things. Now we are now expanding our manufacturing, opening up a new factory, expanding our manufacturing capacity all the way. Mm-hmm. It will be in the vicinity of Bangalore. We're not going too far from it but we are currently out scouting for really nice large areas where we would be able to get local mentor. Once again our mission is not to create a monolithic factory where lakhs of vehicles can be made. I don't like that concept. Industry 4.0, we will build smaller, I call them mini factories, in different geographies of India so that I can take the, you know, swaps from the government of India uh, or the state governments that want to attract electric vehicle manufacturers. I also get access to local manpower. So I'm doing something for that region instead of saying, to the industry, and that becomes my strategy also as a global, you know, when I step out of India. All the components and parts will be made in one place that ensures that the quality is perfect. But then the assembly can happen with partners in different parts of the country. And it helps reduce my logistic cost also. Today my logistic cost is a percentage of the total vehicle cost is very high. So what can you do? Right? It's a smaller vehicle, it's a much cheaper vehicle, right? So the percentage in green is cost you know cost in transportation for huh? It's still a four-meter vehicle. It doesn't matter whether it's on three meters or four, it's a four-meter vehicle. So Cost of transportation is the same, whether you are transporting that or you're transporting a 13 lakh rupee vehicle. So, so that is a, is a big difference. And hence, you have to go all these kinds of things. So innovation doesn't stop. That you are very clear. What is your current monthly production capacity and what is the target? Yeah. So currently, our production capacity is around 6,000 vehicles a year, which is moving to 40,000 a year. That's where we are moving to. Um, you know, we will be present in. by when like 40,000 by when will you? Oh, this has to be in, the, in this year itself. So within 2022, financial year, 2023, we will definitely have reached that capacity. That's number one. Number two, our expansion plan across India, moving from the nine city that we are in to over 60 cities that we will be presenting. Um, that's going to happen in the same financial year. So lots of targets, uh, financing partners coming on board, large financing partners that ensures that Today, three wheelers are being financed at 24%. Can you imagine? You buy a car and you get financing at 10%. Poor guy whose livelihood depends on it buys a vehicle where he gets financed at 24%. You see that somewhere there's a huge injustice going on, right? So you've got to fix that. You want to make the driver feel like a hero. Huh. It's obviously helping him. He's getting 120 kilometers. He does two shifts now. And the reason now he's saying that I'm spending 14 hours on the road, but he's saying I'm earning a lot for money. And I said, But why are you struggling so much? You're making more money anyway. You're in doing this. He said, So, no, there's no fatigue. No there's no fatigue. There's, no there's, no there's no engine noise. There's no vibration, micro vibration for Chinese. right? So, he, because he's not tired, he said, right? So, he will work in cook and he will work somewhere else and he will make some more money in the process of doing it. Great, yeah, you're making more money. That is the change. It's not about technology, it's never about that. It's about making change happen, it comes back to the same thing that happened at HP. What do you want to be the number for? You change anything in number I think there has to be a drive to that. And that is what inspired most of the people and the new people who are coming on board that you know, this is the company that they want to be. It's not driven just Sony by revenue, of course. It's very important. I know what it takes to create employee wealth well. and well, wealth. I will do that too. So one of Tesla's biggest challenges was actually wrapping up their capacity uh, and they had like invested in robotic manufacturing and stuff like that. So, so what's your strategy to wrap up capacity? Yeah. So we've at a different level entirely, but when such things happen, these have to become learnings for other entrepreneurs. So it's clear that, you know, there is difficulty. Obviously the difficulty happens when you're making Hundreds of thousands or millions of vehicles, right? It doesn't happen on day one. But this is bound to happen. And hence, either we plan to create gigafactories and all that, or we say, no, my approach is going to be mini-factories. So then you can have parallelism. Think of mini-factories. You have four different partners and four different geographies. You have a blueprint ready. Most challenges are given on English. This is the blueprint. Exactly. This is the store. This is how incoming. This is the quality process. This is the anyway. This is when this will come. This is the length of your conveyor belt. It's a well-oiled, well-functioning blueprint. Buff. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Are you my partner? Are you willing to do this Like a Mac- McDonaldization, uh, the way McDonald's has that playbook. You can start four, five, six, whatever. As long as you're cognizant that the part supply, your component supply has to be rock solid. And that's something that we're focusing on, right? So the partnerships that we're putting in place are all people who can scale rapidly. Our own growth, our own parts that we're making has to scale very rapidly. We're cognizant of that. That is where our focus is. So it's a dual thing. And that's why it's when you come up with these kinds of... It's not just about putting a vision and creating one vehicle and then saying, okay, I need millions of dollars to come in. Very seldom will it happen. You have to show, yeah, now you have to show what you've done. At the back and what you intend to do going on. So there's a lot more that has to be done to do this. I'm really happy that the investors came forward. It's a very good sign for the entire ecosystem of electric makers, because now with this kind of money, people are saying, boss, the space is serious. We are not going to be the only guys. We are not the only guys. A lot of very good companies. I mean, everyone is going to get funded because it starts a sector. There is serious money coming in. Brand like Reliance, it's not going to be a frivolous thing, activity. So a lot of things, very aggressive income, wants to make it a household name, right? All degree, why not? What is the the price of one vehicle and how much do you earn per vehicle? Like what are your economics on it? So when volumes are low, then gross margins are very tiny, if at all. We always maintain that we are positive on every vehicle that we make. That's all um, we have always claim, but it, it's tiny. But we are just glad that on every money, on every vehicle, we might make one rupee. But that definitely happened. We made a much superior vehicle. We are probably the most expensive vehicle in India today. Yet, um, we have investors supporting us. Yeah, um, the price uh, is about close to about four lakh rupees. So it's about uh, it's about fifty four. How does it compare to uh, diesel? How much does a diesel cost? Diesel, yeah. That's what I was saying. About 55,000, 50 to 55,000 rupees more than diesel. Which is not a very big premium. But one last question. The financing part, are you looking at that as a revenue area as well? Like the fintech? Or are you looking at that just as an enabler? Once again, we are very clear that we are an OEM. And we are putting together an ecosystem of partners in that partnership financing companies are going to play a very key role. So I have to work with them to ensure that I'm looking at my end customer and saying, what is in it for him? What is the best thing that I can do with them? How can I give the financing company the confidence that most, this is the company that you want to bet on? Please do start investing in electric vehicles. Please do start investing in three-wheeler company. They have this fear that maybe this will be a non-performing asset. What if this doesn't happen? I can allay that fear and suspicions through the network that I have created to the platform that I've created. I'm using the word platform that ensures that, okay, yeah. I have a customer. I have a logistic company. I have now this guy who's going to buy the vehicle. Can I bring all these together and make sure that, boss, your money is going to be safe? Anyway, as it you can give them data for the risk underwriting. Like you can show them that this is the uh the, the earning that he is receiving from this vehicle. And your telematics, your IoT because the vehicle is IoT enabled, so how many kilometers? Perfect. So we able to tell them that was in case mm. the default for the wrong reasons. Not because of the right reason, but wrong reason if they default in just Turn the thing off. Finished. Even if it's not mm. the ignition on, I can turn it off. Even if wow. the ignition is off, I can turn the vehicle off. So I mean, there are mm. lots of things that we can do. Mm. software right, 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 right. right. that. We keep missing and yeah, off. yeah. So, that makes so, it a safer. Okay. Uh, yes, financing is going to be extremely key, and it's not just in customer financing in dealer financing. It's it's the entire ecosystem that is charging charger financing. lots of things that need to happen in the space, we're working very, very closely with these partners. You'll start seeing those things uh, beginning to unfold. Yeah, Amazing. A- and what uh, is your turnover estimated for this year? It's too early to say, but we do intend to sell about fifteen thousand vehicles uh, in financial year
1: 22 days. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. You would be delighted to learn that since we recorded this conversation with Dr. Saran, AltiGreen has gone on to set up a 3 lakh square feet plant near Bangalore with a capacity to produce 55,000 EVs per year.